Welcome back to the Salted Caramel Podcast. My name is David Cook, and with me is the always purple Jody Curtis. And this is a podcast where we get to share the Lord's work and everyday faith stories like our parishioners. Jody, who is our guest today? Our guest today is Angela Antonio. Angela, welcome to the Salted Caramel. And can you start by sharing with us a little bit about your history or relationship with Our Lady of Mount Carmel? Absolutely. Thank you for having me today. Yeah. Yes. I never get to see you, so <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Dragged me in here. <laughs> <laughs> we need guests. That goes out for. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, my family moved to Our Lady or moved to Carmel in 2008, and I have been working at Our Lady of Mount Carmel for six years. I did two years as a faith formation secretary and four years now as a communications director. So all those typos you see in the bulletin are me. <laughs> Usually me too. Yeah. So you you would say you're pretty involved. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> can say that. <laughs> well, sweet. Well, let's just dive in. That's all we ever do. Tell us about your deepest wounds in your childhood. Oh, well. <laughs> or, or just your faith story in your childhood. <laughs> or, you know, or both. Well, I, I mean, I hesitate because my childhood was actually really good. I was very blessed with my childhood. Um, so I grew up actually in Kokomo, Indiana. Nice. Um, and we were very involved in the church. We, we went to St. Joan of Arc. Um, and my parents were catechists, and my sisters and I uh, were at school there for a few years. Um, so I, I always think of it as kind of we were in our little Catholic bubble. Mm-hmm. And looking back on it now, I feel like I've, I was a bit naive almost because I was mm-hmm. surrounded by people of great faith and great witnesses. Um, so I think kind of seemed a bit like rainbows and flowers. <laughs> um, like I was, you know, in the youth group, my sisters and I were servers. Um, so it was just, it was a really great childhood. I was very blessed. And then when I was 12 years old, we moved to El Paso, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it's was a comp- it Still rainbows? <laughs> no. <laughs> bit dry there for rainbows. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I mean, just a completely different world because you're down by the border um, and you see a lot more suffering down there. And at church, I was with kids who um, didn't even know how to find things in the Bible, and they were just getting confirmed so that their parents could stop badgering them to go to church. Mm-hmm. So, and there was just not a lot of opportunities um, when for my age group for middle school, we were still kind of involved, um, but I fell off the the altar service. Altar service, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I kind of uh, fell back a bit in my faith, and I, I struggled a bit um, because I felt like I lost that my little bubble. Mm. Um, and I did have some good friends, and we kind of supported each other. And actually, I had. I was really good friends with Mormons at school. Mm. And if you want to feel guilty about not being involved in the church, be friends with the Mormon. Because <laughs> they're they at church all the time, and they would ask me, like, oh, what do you do at your church? I was like, well, you know, I, I go to church on Sunday for an hour, and, <laughs> and they're getting up at 5.30 to go to their 
6 o'clock class and be wow. that be at band practice by 7.30. It's like, okay. Um, so they really kind of kept, kept me accountable. I think um, that really helped me in my faith. Not, and it, it makes me sad thinking that I didn't have um, that support with the Catholic Church. Mm. And, but I, I was blessed to have it still provided maybe in a different way that people would think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, El Paso, it's, it, I, it's complicated because <laughs> I didn't like it, but I did like it. I think the part I didn't like was I really struggled academically in high school. Um, I just didn't get it, I think is the best way to explain it. Mm. Um, I was really good with English, my reading classes, because reading and analyzing literature is what I do, but things that were like nonfiction, I just I just couldn't get it. And then my friends were always a lot smarter than me. There was one time I spent like a whole evening studying for a test and I let my friend look at it, my notes, for, and she looked at it for like a minute and she got a 93 on the test and I got probably about an 83. And oh. she's like, oh, I wouldn't have gotten an A if I hadn't looked at Angela's notes. Oh. And I... <laughs> It was just it was like just that sinking feeling of like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't know. And so that was but in high school? It was high school, yeah. So I think struggled with that. But what's great about Paso is that there's a lot of army kids there. So mm-hmm. they're very welcoming because they're used to having new people come in and out, making friends easily. Mm-hmm. So I felt very welcomed. And in the advanced classes, it's always the same kids in those classes. So we were very close. You knew everyone in in the class. Um, So we were all friends in the end. Nice. So, Were you friends with your Mormons all the way up through high school? Well, actually, so end of my sophomore year, so that was 2008 when we moved to Carmel. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where my struggles really began because – when you moved to Carmel. When I moved to Carmel, yes. Oh. So I lived in El Paso for four years, and okay. then we moved to Carmel in 2008. So it was between my sophomore and junior year mm. of high school, and that was like culture shock and <laughs> <laughs> all the things that got with it. Because um, at Carmel High School, I don't know how it is now, but at least when I was there, it was very clicky, and it was very hard to make friends because they've known each other for years and years. Yeah. Um, so I felt very... I felt very alone at Carmel High School, and my educational Paso was not the same as they have here, you could say, because um, a lot of the Hispanics, um, those in El Paso don't speak English. (laughs) So there's also the pressure on the education system down there to not only teach the kids, but also teach English. And there's that balance that they try to find. So like middle school for me was really easy because I was just that many years ahead of the, my peers. Yeah. Um, so when we moved to Carmel, I was really behind academically because I, I mean, I struggled in El Paso, but I really struggled at Carmel. Mm. And I just didn't have I had friends, but they weren't very good friends. They're kind of more in Carmel. You mean? Yeah, in Carmel. Yeah. So they're kind of more acquaintances. But I just didn't really feel. I didn't feel like I belonged, and I just had a hard time. Um, so especially like my senior year, uh, the second semester of my senior year, 
I had really bad depression mm-hmm. and I just felt so alone and I didn't get involved at Our Lady because I felt, well, if the people at high school don't care about me, like why would the people at church care about mm-hmm. me? Uh, so, so it was just, I think that was probably like one of my darkest times. Um, like I wasn't eating and I was exercising a lot, which I learned later are signs of depression because <laughs> you're looking for something to fill yourself. Like yeah. you have this yeah. void. And so it was that longing for that attention and that love that I feel like I wasn't getting. Um, and you see all the people dating. It's like, yeah. I was like, I want that. Yeah. Um, so, so just high school's tough. Yeah. How did God, <laughs> how did God lead you to the next step? What did, what happened? Well, I always say, um, College, in a way, saved my life. I mm. loved college. Mm. I, w- I got to study what I wanted to study, and I loved my professors. And we had a really great small Catholic community. I went to Valparaiso, and they're very loving. And there's also something called a meal plan. <laughs> so, yeah. so I had to spend. So it's two thousand. So your freshman year at Valpo, oh. when I was there, it was two thousand dollars a semester, and I got to one month left in the semester, and I had a thousand dollars left on my meal plan, and it doesn't roll over. Yeah. So I had to learn to eat, <laughs> and so actually, it's interesting. I was like, eating actually helped me get out of my depression because uh. like, you had to manage that. Uh-huh. Um, but there was still something lacking. Like, I still went to church. Um, but then I had a really bad relationship with the guy. It was very, like, emotionally abusive. Mm. But I was still stuck in that, you know, if we break up, then I'll have nobody. Because I was still that longing. It's still that searching for something, searching for that love that I really wanted. Um and then looking back, it's like, you know, I could have made a lot more friends. I could have been more involved, but I was so focused on that mm-hmm. um, that I didn't. So I just looking back, it's like I try not to regret too much. And I I don't like to think about it, but um, Sorry. obviously I have to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so Angela, was there a point? At, at that point, or maybe an earlier point where you then turned to God or to find Jesus in your life? Um, in college, not really. I think it was still, it was a very long process for me because I think I loved going to church. I loved going to mass. I loved the priest there. And I, I love the friends I had at the church. So I think just the consistency of going to Mass helped. Mm. Um, I know I had, I talked to a priest more recently and he's like, and I was talking about like my prayer life being dull. And he's like, you know, just go through the motions. Like you still get the grace out of it, even if you don't feel it. So I think just going to Mass and being at the youth center, that kind of just kept me going. So I was never too far away from Christ, um, which I, which really helped. Um, So my recent conversion was more, um, I know we talk about CHIRP a lot. (laughs) So I went on the CHIRP retreat. It has nothing to do with the CHIRP retreat. Mm -hmm. It has, I went to confession. That was one thing that I really wanted to do on the retreat. It was like, I'm going to confession because I haven't, I hadn't gone in years. I've never been a fan of confession. I don't, it's just not my thing. (laughs) 
So, but I was determined. It's like, you know what? I need, I need to go to confession. And this, it was a real turning point for me because I went to the priest and I was just sobbing. And I was like, you know what? I don't feel like God loves me. I don't feel like I am deserving of love. I, I don't love myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, just this relief of saying that. And I don't remember what the priest said. I wrote it down. <laughs> um, but he told me to read Luke 15 um, for my penance. And so I was like, okay. So I walked away. And it was just, even just immediately after, I just felt like this load lifting off of me. Um, and then in the chapel, I read Luke 15, which is the parable of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and um, prodigal son. So I was reading the prodigal son. I was like, oh my gosh, that's me. Mm. I am coming back. It's like I was feeling the love and even just receiving the Eucharist right after because we have mass right after confession and just like receiving the Eucharist right after confession was, it's just so moving for me. Sorry to interrupt. Nice. I it's okay. love that. Um, I love so that. I think that it was just so many years of just wanting that love and just realizing, you know what, I'm not going to get it from another human. Mm-hmm. I have to, I have to love myself, yeah. and God loves loves me. So through me, loving me with God, like that's that's enough. Um, so then it came to the point where now I think single life is the best. I am married now, but when I was single, when I was single, because then you just grow and you have so much time to give to others and you make those connections. And it's just out of love, Mm -hmm. you can serve others. Um, So that's what happened to me was I got really involved at Our Lady because I worked here, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't like, nah, I wasn't doing anything. So then I um, got really involved and I burnt out. But then I, but I, then I figured it out. <laughs> so I know. Um, so I'm actually now a formation leader with Chirp. So I help groups um, who are traveling on their journey through formation, and it's just so beautiful. Oh, I didn't share that part. But it's so. I'll go back. Um, but it's so beautiful seeing these women like open up to each other. Because that was another um, step for me. Was first I had to. I had to tell God what was on my heart. And then I discerned to give a witness on the upcoming trip retreat. And I was like, you know what? I have to be honest with these women and share what's on my heart with them. Mm-hmm. And that's when I told them like what happened at confession and my journey. And it was so healing from that too, just knowing that what I was searching for, I had the whole time mm-hmm. that people cared about me. And they're like, you know what? We love you, and we are here for you. You might not feel like it, but it's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Um, and just that healing process as well. So I love journeying with women who experience that too, because the first time you say it, they give your witness. It's so terrifying. <laughs> but then after, like, it's just this release, and you're like, you know what? There's someone else here to carry my burden with me. Yeah. Um, and just seeing the joy. Like, I love seeing the women on the retreat give their witness. And just the joy after. It's like, like 
we're all in this together. And <laughs> it's it's so beautiful. Well, that's uh, the that's the psychological effect of confession of saying it out loud. Yes. And yes. having someone carry that burden with you, or almost giving it to yes. the Lord. Yeah. And then hearing the words, I forgive you, yes. you are forgiven. And yeah. even the affirmations afterwards too. Yeah. Like you are, you are a beautiful person. Wait, you get that? I don't know. I get that. Yeah. Oh, I get Do that. better, I David. Get, I get that, David. I know. <laughs> Just you. Again, yeah. David. That's why it's important too. Like sometimes, a lot of times, um, I like try to compliment people. Like, oh, that's such a great haircut. That's uh-huh. so great. Because I realize that those affirmations are so important. Yeah. Um, and they're life-changing, really. I mean, they changed me. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What a beautiful story, Angela. And thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that with us and our listeners. So, you know, the Lord has given us all unique gifts. What What do you think is a gift that he has given you to help you evangelize? Mm-hmm. I like to listen. And I think that's just a very important quality to have. Mm-hmm. It's just the ability to listen. I think um, there's just so much noise in the world and just even sharing my story of how people listen to me and show that they cared. So I want that for other people. Like I just want to sit and listen to them and to show that they're not alone and that I'm I'm there for them. Hmm. Yeah. Well I think I think we just found another podcast host. I think so yeah. too. <laughs> Oh, we do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, you know, uh, being involved in the church and the rebranding process, grateful no matter what mm-hmm. is the tagline. So mm-hmm. we got to ask, what are you grateful for no matter what? Well, I, <laughs> I'm always grateful for those around me. I feel like I'm getting redundant now. But just knowing um, there's people in my life that I that I just admire Greatly, um, like even last night, I don't know when this is airing, but last night we had a liturgy council meeting, and I think that's one of the great blessings of my life. Um, I joined liturgy council because I was in charge of the children's mass, and even growing in my faith, just having the opportunity to sit and learn about the liturgy and learn about the mass, um, I have a term I call fluffy Catholicism, where it's kind of like that emotion-driven, like, mm-hmm. God loves you no matter what. We're all going to go to heaven, and it's going to be amazing. But mm-hmm. if I am like, if there's no textual evidence, I'm not, I'm not going to connect with you. Yeah. So that's why I love learning about the Mass, because you're like, this is what we do, and here's why. And there's so much history, and you read the scriptures, and it's just... Um, so I'll always be grateful for that. And then Rex Rund, our liturgist, is so, it's like amazing wisdom. Yeah. Um, and even the people on the liturgy council, like I always feel amazing after a meeting. So I was like, I learn things and they're so faith-filled. Um, so I am very grateful for that nice. opportunity. Nice. So if you don't, if you don't like the fluffy Catholicism, learn about the liturgy. If <laughs> <laughs> you like me. Read about the mass. Yeah. <laughs> And Angela, you know, we also like to ask our guests how they are uh, becoming a better disciple, or in our terms, how are you staying salty? (laughs) I stay salty by finding a routine. 
definitely. Uh, like I mentioned the priest earlier who said, you know, just keep keep doing what you're doing. And like I've had an adoration hour for many years, mostly because I started working here and I felt I should get an hour because that's the right thing to do. And he and just the graces that come out of it, I go, you just you just keep doing it, even when you don't feel like it. Like you just like in the chapel, like I have to be there or no one else will be there. Mm-hmm. So I go and even just being there, just being present, that's really all you need to do. So even if you don't feel like praying or you don't feel like going to volunteer, like just your presence. Yeah, I fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> Still there. <laughs> you know, he speaks to us in dreams. Yeah, so I it's feel okay. so bad for my co-adorer who has to listen to me snore. Uh, She's never woke me up, though. So. Yeah. But yeah, so finding that routine and then just staying uh, involved in the church as well. Um, just even when I don't feel like it. There's some, like when I was a formation director, I don't remember which team, but like just getting to those weekly meetings was a struggle for me. But then after, it's like... So oh my gosh, I feel amazing afterwards because yeah. yeah. you're surrounded by all these amazing people. True. So yeah. routine and get involved. Well, I like that. I think that's going to be our uh, our call <laughs> to action this week is to find a routine. Um, Father Mike Schmitz once gave a talk that said consistency is better than intensity every day. Mm-hmm. So if you consistently pray five minutes, it's way better than two days full of prayer. So that's your call to action is to find some sort of prayer routine to thank the Lord, to give him some of your time and to connect with him. And also your call to action is always get involved in the church because we always need more. Do it. <laughs> I like it. Well, perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Angela. Of course. Uh, would you like to end with a prayer? Well, sure. Always. <laughs> <laughs> in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us, and you give us so many blessings and are always looking out for us and giving us what we need, even though it might not be what we think we need, might not be what we want, but you are always there for us. And help us to see those in our life that can bring us closer to you, who will bring us deeper into our faith and help us remember that we are not alone in your name we pray amen Amen. (laughs) all right for everybody else out there stay salty